There's nothing to compare with the experience of New York City. You know, the bright lights of Times Square leading millions to the doorstep of Broadway. And in 2016, for me, almost eight years after my first trip to Broadway as a kid, I returned as a college student to see the new show by Cirque du Soleil called Paramore. And I loved it. Went to go see it with my mom. We were just in awe of the bright lights and the spectacular dances and the performers. So it's been five years since its debut on Broadway. And I I really wanted to host a reunion today with the cast, so I am very blessed and honored to have the original Broadway cast join me on the show, and I'll let them introduce themselves to you. Well, thank you so much for having us. Um, my name is Ruby Lewis, and I played Indigo, the poetess. Poetess, I guess you would say. <laughs> Hi, my name is uh, Ryan Vanna, and I played Joey, the composer. And hey, I'm... Brett Shuford, and I played the choreographer, uh, Robbie. 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 <laughs> I remember Robbie. kind of following the show, the news about Broadway, because I'm just a Broadway geek through and through. And, you know, there were so many news stories about it prior to you guys opening in, in 2016. And I remember, Ruby, we saw you on the Thanksgiving parade when they had that huge float. So that was kind of like our first glimpse, but we didn't know too much about it. It was like kind of like a shroud of mystery. Um, but before we jump into the show itself, I wanted to know when were each of you introduced to Cirque? Did you ever see any of the shows or any of the movies? I remember my first Cirque show um, and I still have actually um, this beautiful figurine that my sister got me for my birthday. And I think it was actually in Hawaii, I, I want to say, um, that we saw this Cirque show. It was a tent show. I don't remember which show it was, uh, but I remember seeing it and um, being completely in awe of it. And I still have the figurine just because, uh, yeah, I became a major fan of the brand and of the, of the style. I thought it was so theatrical and um, so interesting. And I, I want to say that was probably, I was probably in college, I think. And that happened when I saw my first one, it was incredible. It made me as anxious as um, Paramore watching them do, like, watching them do all their Cirque stuff. Yeah, I think the first Cirque show I saw was uh, Mystere in Vegas because I had done a sh I booked a show in two thousand doing a show at the Rio in Vegas, and of course, like. Ruby knows because she lives in Vegas. Like the community, the entertainment community is really tight there, really small, like close knit community. And I met a bunch of Cirque people. They're like, you should come see our show. And I went and saw Mystere, which is like, I think the quintessential Cirque, like original kind of Cirque style show. Yeah, I think my first experience with Cirque was in college. I went to Penn State and there were two. A Cirque show came through, uh, it was Kidam, and I saw that at the, like, the big uh, basketball arena, and then I'm forgetting what the name of it was, but there, it wasn't, it wasn't Cirque du Soleil, but it was another company, uh, what, what's the one they all work for, or a bunch of them do, but it, it ended up be, uh, they had, um, I remember they did a tramp act a trampoline act and i found out that like 
I think like two or three of the performers in the show ended up being in Paramore with us. Um, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure Fletch was in that show. Mm-hmm. And so like, it was like wild to like, be like, Oh, I've seen you do the thing that we ended up doing every single night together. Um, like before I even could comprehend like the importance of what Cirque was to these people. Yeah. You never get used to it. It's not like, like when you do a musical and people are dancing and doing amazing dancing, eventually you get used to it because you see them do it every night. But it, I, we never got used to it watching them do the hand to trap act or any of that uh, stuff. Those yeah. stunts were wild. They were re- yeah. very extravagant. I do encourage our listeners to take a look at some of the video clips from Broadway.com because you'll see that there are so many different segments of this story, which is a love story that goes through the big hit hits of the movies and it's so much fun to watch but yeah you you kind of hold your breath in because you're watching the two wonderful twins kind of fly over you in the audience and then the love triangle acrobatic act and then of course the kind of seven brides for seven brothers ode to hollywood sequence where they're just like bouncing off of the of the wooden beams and i'm we were just kind of whoa and that was actually going to be one of my questions is because there's always going to be that sense of something can happen. They prep to the most potential they can. Because I saw that one um, piece that they did on Nightline, I believe, and they were showing how everybody's usually in really early before the show, and they're already, you know, prepping their bodies and also testing and doing the trick before the show. So there's like more, more to go into the work behind this. So when you guys are watching. Um, is there anything that they told you prior ahead of time? Like if something were to happen, is there something that you must do as an actor to either just get off the stage or to help assist? Yeah. Um, there are two, the two most important signs, uh, for, uh, stage management, um, and the crew and the cast to have together is this, uh, tap on the, like a fist to the top of the head, which means I'm okay. And we can keep moving forward. So like, after you like take a little spill, if you're fine, you'll just do that. But if something's going wrong with tech or an acrobat gets hurt and we have to like completely stop like safety over everything, you just do a big X with your arms and that, uh, symbols, a stop, uh, hold to the show. And I think we, we did it there've been a couple times. I just, I do remember uh, the one that sticks out most. It was a, uh, a technical issue, the hand to trap. Uh, they were, the trap was coming down and like, they were like, on, they were on the trapeze, but then the, there are these like irises that come in from the stage. Like everything was just shaking. And uh, like, I'll never forget Jeremy just like being like, stop hold in the middle of a show, like 2000 people, in the audience. And we just, I killed it off the stage. And hello, Sarah Meal. Sarah made it. Hey, Sarah. <laughs> I'm Hi. We were just jumping in and, and talking about like the the craziness of having acrobatics in the show, making sure they're safe. And we were just, Ryan was saying one of the instances where they had to use the X to kind of stop the show. Do you remember anything like that? or I have, yeah, I remember the X happening all the time. And I also, for, um, the one time the X wasn't happening and it should have was the time that, um, I, okay, I honestly forget everyone's name. Like I blocked this entire, <laughs> this entire five years of my life. I'm, I'm, 
I'm Ryan. I play Joey. <laughs> no, I remember your name. But I the um the ones who were on the swing. There was a time when something was happening um, in the grid of the theater, like the rooftop of the theater, and everything just started yeah. shaking. And Ruby, you were singing Love Triangle with Jeremy and Ryan, and suddenly everything started shaking, and she was standing on his head. Miriam was yeah. standing on her husband's head, about to dive down to the earth below, and everything was shaking, and she was just, like, balancing like this, like, Shaking, and no one was calling stop. And Jeremy Kushner was yeah. just like, "Stop, stop, stop!" And he stopped the show. Yeah, he stopped the show, and and Cla uh, Claudette came on, and she was like, "Everyone, we need to take a moment." We, they didn't know what was happening. They had no idea why the roof was shaking of the building. There was no storm. It was weird. Um, that's like the one time I remember. I mean, the thing you should know is that when you work for Cirque, you sign everything away so you're not allowed to talk about any of this but so anyway so that's why you would never see anything and and they have people who literally like scour social media platforms and things and make sure that there's no negative press if they if they can eliminate as much of it as possible not that this was a negative experience but it was definitely like startling <laughs> yeah considering curated every single night though um like compare it to the spider-man or something like that I can't believe how everyone stayed safe. I honestly, yeah. they, they were all like risking their lives every single day and uh, every night. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. yeah. Well, well, Ruby, on the Nightline special, you mentioned that you hurt your ribs, and I was like, "Oh my god!" I, I literally freaked out when I heard that because it was for a trick that didn't end up in the show. Was this something with with the old skirt that they had, like that magnetic skirt that pointed up when you were upside down? I just wasn't 90 pounds. They were trying to throw me around like I was 90 pound little acrobat and I wasn't. Like it was, the, the trick was, it was just a cartwheel like where they handed me off down this line. But, you know, every every single person who handled me, it was like their thumbs and their fingers and whatever. Somebody's thumb ended up slipping under my rib cage. I'm still upset that the trick was cut because I, I thought it was pretty impressive. <laughs> there are worse places the thumb could have gone. <laughs> if I if I remember Andy and Gossia's uh, story of how they met, a thumb went somewhere different. The wrong place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the the one of the acrobats from uh, the the twins, uh, him and his wife Gossia, who was also in the show, uh, they met uh, doing a Cirque show and got off, and then his went somewhere that wasn't her rib. And now they're married and they have lovely children. But yeah, that's that's how, that's what Cirque is. It's like a complete, uh, like, do away with all your boundaries and do the job safely. It sounds like you become closer as a team because yeah. it really, it's, it's very hands-on. And one of the funny things, Sarah, uh, I think you posted every time on Instagram is your, the dance for the barn dance when you were on for Indigo because Ruby was out and your partner didn't come up. Can you please tell that story? <laughs> Usually, <laughs> Ruby would do this dance with somebody. And was it Sashi or Nate? Sashi, yeah. <laughs> it was a cute little jig. And, um, and, and everyone did it behind her with a partner as well. And this one night I was on, but 
everyone had called out like there there was a shortage in humans and our dance captain was like i'll do it. yeah like i'll do it and then there were so many spots he needed to fill and he was trying to be so many people that he just in this one moment was working with someone else and you can see him in the video real like looking out <laughs> realizing he's supposed to be with a different girl but i just kind of like looked around and i was like well i i'm used to doing this in the ensemble behind her and i i know what she does and i know that she's not going to have a partner so i just kind of like did what ruby would do with a partner except i filled a lot of it with like fan, <laughs> fan kicks fan kicks i got yeah. nervous already nervous because like that was the scariest like ruby's show was scary so i to me so i just did a lot of fan kicks and then there was one moment where she did a cartwheel so i cartwheel but then i was spinning on the floor <laughs> like more fan kicks and then it was over and it was done and it was, it was a good it's a good memory um and it was funny the whole time like it wasn't like not funny for a minute it was always funny you know <laughs> There's some stories that in, you know, when they happen live, it's not funny. And then you get there a couple years later, but this was always fun. It, it was fine. You know, the stakes were low. No, everyone was safe, which what matters. Yeah. Because yeah. Brett, you would fill in for Jeremy as AJ occasionally too. So what, what was it like to kind of fill in that track? I, they had to age me up for it. So I had, I, I really liked my wig. I liked like getting to sort of be this different kind of commanding um, character uh, but what was that? Mr. Sheffield is what she called me from the nanny because <laughs> I looked like Mr. Sheffield. Why don't you met the right girl? You think she's going to wait all that time to settle down and start a family? Oh, she's the right person. She'll understand. No, she won't. Um, but you know, again, like I think for most of us who were in the sort of musical theater side of the show, it wasn't quite as high stakes and in a show like that, you know, it re that Cirque element just really always felt like the priority. It just always felt like whenever I'd go on, it was just about setting the stage for those acts and for those performers to, to shine. And, um, you know, we were really kind of, I mean, they, for the most part, they integrated those acts in, into the story. Okay. Um, but, um, I always felt like, you know, going on as AJ, the, the scariest thing for AJ was was his entrance because they had to pop up on that oh, toaster. Right. And that that was like not the way you want to start a show because it's not like you're like climbing into the show. You're like literally your heart is racing because you know your stomach's going to drop before you have to sing. So that always scared the crap out of me. Um Cause that, cause you're down in the pit and you're just anticipating this thing, just like shooting you up out of the floor. And then Jeremy has such a freakish voice. Like some of his notes were just like, his placement is so specific. And um, so vocally, sometimes I would get pretty nervous, like the love triangle and, and even the Hollywood whiz. So it was, it required a lot of focus and, um, but I felt really, I always felt so supported by, everybody in the show. Jeremy started, he only had, was it 13 days to learn the part? Yeah. Because there was somebody previously in the role who left, and yeah, he had 13 days to, to learn the part. I couldn't believe that when I read that. I was like, oh my gosh, that, that the pressure is high, and he has the most lines in the show, besides from you, Ruby. So 
how was that like to help him kind of ease in? Because you guys had already been in the process for a couple of months now working with everyone. So he was the newbie. We were still trying to pretend like everything yeah. was fine, even though nobody knew what yeah. was going on. <laughs> like, he came in and we still didn't know what was going on, even yeah. though we were packing the show and we were like, we still don't know what's going on, but we're trying to yeah. pretend like everything's fine. You know, like, oh, yeah, this is normal. Everything's great. Jeremy's looking around like, is this normal? <laughs> this what, what is going on yeah, yeah. he got like, thrust into something and had to learn I really yeah i definitely envy his experience of it i wouldn't trade the friendships for anything but if i could have just had like a little bit less of the creation you know <laughs> i i i would i'd be drinking a lot less coffee today coffee yeah <laughs> Because they had, Ruby, originally you were a lyricist as the character of of Indigo. And then they cut that whole storyline with you and Ryan. Ryan was the composer and you were the lyricist, but they still kept the line in like right before <laughs> the everything <laughs> song. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I, I was like, what? <laughs> I will the Yeah, totally. I forgot about that. Yeah, I forgot. Every day we show up. We would show up to Grumman Studios and we're like, who am I? What am I doing? What's the point of this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're in love. Okay, well, we're in love. But what? <laughs> but now you also love AJ and we're he just wrote him. a monologue for himself. And <laughs> <laughs> um, there was a part where I was Lila and, and Katrina was Gina. And then they Whoa. switched us at some and gave her a song and I was like okay good I don't like please <laughs> I, just, I, I thought I was just dancing in this one and I wasn't the understudy for Ruby I was not I did not sign on as as a cover oh I signed as a dance like a t I tumbled at my audition I had to flip like I thought I was going to show up as an acro like a half a hybrid acrobat dancer oh, and wow. then I was a whole different track it was very strange they we were just creating you know but they yeah. gave you that monologue at the end, right? That that wasn't originally in the script where you kind of stand up to AJ. I remember the audience like flipped for it because they oh, really yeah. liked it that you stood up to him. That was the rewrites. That was when yeah. they brought in um, uh, Sergio Trujillo and uh, Joe DiPietro. Joe DiPietro. And I felt yeah. so bad because I was like, that was so interesting. I really liked that. I was like, oh, maybe a little bit of more of that for, for Robbie and your character. Because <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, what's going that, on? <laughs> well, what ends up happening, you know, Cirque, what they were trying to do was develop a musical in a Cirque process. And the Cirque process has no structure. It's like you literally come into a studio for five for them usually it's like nine months you're like birthing a show and they just play and create and create and create and in musical theater you need a director and a choreographer and you need a book and you need to know like what story you're telling before you bring people in otherwise it just no one knows what's happening but Cirque was like we are sick we have been around for 40 years we make amazing things so we our process would be flawless and it and it ended up being really a struggle for five we rehearsed for five months the acrobats were complaining because five months wasn't enough time for them but we were complaining because five months was too long for us because we're all used to rehearsing a show for like four weeks six weeks you know so then we opened the show and even i think the day that we did our first preview i think we 
finally choreographed the finale, choreographed it, finally staged the finale. <laughs> right? I think and it was like the first preview. Right. And that was and after, then we had to cut it. <laughs> right. And then we had to cut it. And that was after five months of rehearsal. So it just ended up being this real interesting uh, exploration and how to do all of that. And so then we opened and I don't know, was it like three months or less after we opened, they were like, we're bringing in a book writer and a choreographer to actually fix this. And so that's when like Gina's storyline got a little more fleshed out and some of that stuff got, got fixed yeah. that wasn't, wasn't totally landing. And the costumes, because the costumes, Ruby was just saying off air before we started that she got new costumes and there are a little bit of changes there. So can you please tell me about those costumes? Because I, I am really obsessed with them. They're so gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, everything went through Cirque at first. And I mean, being at the headquarters in Montreal and stuff, I mean, you cannot deny that these people are cra true craftsmen and stuff. So but they were trying, yeah, they were trying some different things with the costumes at first. And they're not used to building costumes for musical theater women, we'll say, I will say. So it was like, um, I, I was, it was like an acro, I was like an acrobat and at first as uh, I was being costumed. So then when this, when we came through and kind of tidied the show up and finally got to work with Eric Winterling and like got some real Broadway costumes that were, you know, were so freaking stunning. Thank goodness, because, you know, it was like, finally, Cirque was merging with Broadway, truly and honestly. And But, it, you know, it took, we opened, and then it took several months for them to realize, no, this is important that, you know, we acknowledge uh, the people who are professionals at this sort of thing, and we're going to let them do what <laughs> they do best. And it was awesome. Yeah. It was so, so great, finally, to feel like, oh, we're in a Broadway show. We're doing this with Broadway people. But I've never in my life done a Broadway show that had the budget to be able to do that. I never worked on a show that was like, we opened, now we're going to close and we're going to rehearse you on your day off, which is like triple pay or something crazy. And we're going to retech and we're going to hire a new choreographer and write a new book. I never, so that never. is the, I guess, the luck that Cirque has is to have that kind of um, and a business entity to be able to afford to even take that risk, you know? I know that a lot of people have been following like the most recent Broadway shows. For instance, just to give an example, Beetlejuice got this crazy um, amount of fan base, basically because one of their stars started using TikTok. And it really came to me of the, the Dub Smash videos you guys were making, because they were so funny. Just if you guys, for people who don't know what they are, it's like they take lines from movies and TV shows, and you just kind of, you know, lip, lip sync to it. And I was like, this would have been, because, you know, if it would have been now, I feel like you guys would have gotten this yeah. fan base that would have gotten huge, and there would have been more people come and, and let leave the show running for a couple more extra months you know what i mean those were so much fun to watch so who like who was the one that started it brett <laughs> we would always be in uh ruby's dressing room and they'd be like okay we're doing uh we're doing harry potter we're doing christmas star oh well <laughs> and it was just like okay what are we doing today and it, it, was, became, it was a way to kind of like Keep it a distracting. It was a way to like yeah. help us distract and stay energized. And it started actually at Grumman. Like I think our first 
the first dub smash I actually still have it was me and Ruby sitting on the couch and we're like lip syncing to it's time for a hickey, a little, little quickie. Do you remember that song? <laughs> and, and then I was like, it was just became a fun way during those crazy rehearsal days to be like, let's just do something that has nothing to do with what we're currently doing. And then when we got into the theater, it was like, you know, at that time they were doing Saturday intermission picks, like uh, Andrew Keenan Bolger had started that with Max von Essen. And we were like, well, we'll do Saturday dub smashes. And so it just became this goal every Saturday. What's this week's dub smash going to be? Let's just keep our, you know, to keep us in positive spirits and keep us energized. And um, so that it became fun. And then it became, sometimes it was, it felt like a chore, but then some, you know, we wanted to stay consistent and, um, but it was a great, it would always be really fun when we could do something where everybody could be in it, where we could get the acrobats to do something and we could get, it just became a really fun oh, project every week. Oh my God, can you just be cool? Once, please. Just once. Can you just once be cool? Once. Please. You seem so down today, Robin. I made you cookies. Damn it, Patrice, stop smothering me! Who's your daddy? <laughs> Who's your daddy? I don't know. <laughs> I, lo I love them. I think my favorite was the, the body rolls one. Watch out for my body rolls. <laughs> I was so, because that's actually how I, well, I really didn't want to know too much about the show before I went in, but I was seeing like Instagram kind of sees what you're searching. So I was searching a couple things and then I saw your, your dub smashes and I was like, this is fun. These guys are having a blast. So I, that was like my kind of pre-show introduction to you guys saw the show and I was like, you guys are having so much fun. <laughs> so I enjoyed we got all in trouble. of those. We got in trouble a few times with Cirque <laughs> because again, they watch everything like a hawk. And there was one we did for Labor Day where, um, where Ruby gave birth to the Atherton twins and they did not like that one. They made me take that one down. <laughs> I missed it. Some of them I still have, but we couldn't publish them. So maybe one day it will be like a behind the scenes, like <laughs> the dub smashes you didn't see. <laughs> didn't, the, didn't the Athertons do something where they were like in their top hats, just like a top hat and, a, and they posted it and... It was Reed and, and I think it was Reed and Kevin and they just had the top hats covering their crotches and it was like happy opening, opening night. Yeah. It looked like you guys were having a lot of fun and that stage and the theater is beautiful. I remember walking in and I was like, good Lord, I feel like I'm walking into an opera house. So, and then, and it was really lovely because you guys at the time were raising money. Um, I think it was for, for AIDS, if I'm not mistaken, because you were coming out with the buckets yeah. And, yeah, it was really lovely because we got to meet you in that lobby and it was just so cool to kind of be able to gather. I, when, I'm, when I'm thinking about back to this experience, I'm like, oh, those were the days because of everything going on right now. What what have you guys been up to now since, you know, Broadway's kind of shut down, which is the saddest thing in the world, but, you know, for everybody's protection. I'm in Vegas, so at least there, there are a few... Um, venues open here so I've been kind of doing just more singing cabaret type stuff like trying to keep myself occupied by singing which is good it's nice to have a place to sing for people it's tough though it's just really not the same um, it's, it's 
just hard. It's hard to keep the ball in the air, so to speak, when, you know, on virtual, on Zoom and stuff. It's just different, very different. It takes more energy, I think. I'm doing my best to just sort of, like, appreciate this time. I've been, uh, uh, well, I got married in July. And, um, but since then, uh, like, we went to Ohio to visit Caitlin's family, like, immediately, like, like we had two weeks of quarantine then we went to Ohio and then after the wedding, we stayed with my folks until two days ago. We're finally back in New York. And I just kind of, we were making a quiche this morning and I was thinking like, you know, when Broadway comes back, like we don't have this time on a Sunday to like make a quiche. We're like out the door cause we have two shows and we don't get to enjoy like a, the gorgeous snow that's like falling down right now. It's just like a hindrance to like getting to the train and going to work. So like right now I'm just trying to be like, all right, I'm going to enjoy this time with my wife and just like, just make it, make it, make the most of it. Cause like it, the, all, all the dips and peaks of this whole experience, like focus on the good for now. And, you know, there's always going to be peaks when Broadway comes back, but there's also the, the, uh, why am I doing this? I could have been a doctor. <laughs> I, I could have been, I could have been a, like a, a used car salesman. I could have done so many different things. <laughs> yeah. I feel that. Yeah. Um, my husband and I bought a house in Beacon, New York. Um, we bought a fixer upper. So we've been, busy it's a cute little cottage and it's from the 30s and it needs a lot of work so we've been fixing it but I'm in my dance studio this is like the guest room but it for now is my dance studio I started a zoom studio um and I teach like 15 classes um and I opened a little company up here with my best friend where we teach master classes to the people in Beacon and um it's really hard and fun and I'm dancing a ton every day that's why I was like you know, wearing dance clothes just now. Um, and I have another run at one, but it's been like, it's been really fun because I'm doing stuff that I don't really feel comfortable doing. And so it's been challenging me in a time where I feel like it's hard to feel challenged right now. You know, I mean, it's really easy to feel challenged in mental and spiritual ways, but, um, I'm, I feel like I'm getting to create because I'm coming up with choreography for these kids and I'm teaching them like, you know, audition choreo for their college. You know, we're getting them ready for college and it's all on zoom. So it's really cool um, to flex a different side of the creative muscle that I'm not used to doing. Cause like the last time I created something was Paramore the choreography, you know, <laughs> we're coming up with the choreo. <laughs> so that was the last time I got to do stuff like that. And, it's nice to have space in nature. Like I, you know, the snow is falling and we have a snowblower and it's, it's new and we're, we're trying to grow and process things like everyone knows, but we're doing okay. That's, that's it. I, um, I, uh, it's been a weird year. I mean, I joined the Broadway cast of Wicked a year ago, last November as a swing and understudying The Wizard and Dr. Dilliman. And then I performed my last track the week before the shutdown. And then Stephen and I, my husband and I, I was lucky because I had this side business as a certified 
life coach and life and career coach, I'd always done sort of like as a side thing to my acting and I just dove in full time and it's become my, my income. And then Steven started teaching, he's a ballet dancer, started teaching classes virtually and he's teaching, he just, he's doing three hours right now if you can hear the music. Um, and so he's doing virtual dance classes and then he got offered to teach at a ballet school in Houston. And while we were getting ready to leave, we sold our New York apartment. So we put everything into storage, drove three days to Houston. We've been here since August. And, um, and so I've been able to work from home while he's teaching and I never thought I'd ever live in Texas again, but here we are six months later. And it's where I'm from. My family's not far from here. And it looks like we are probably going to have a baby this year. <gasps> Big news. And we also just put down on a house in Texas. So I, th I think we're going to stay here for a while. <laughs> so That's my whole amazing. life has changed. <laughs> so that's that's my life right now it's totally different <laughs> Brett that's so great that's so great oh congratulations and Ryan congrats Thanks. on getting married and oh, Sarah you. your house Ruby I love your chair in the back that says indigo I'm <laughs> <laughs> so loud for me I didn't steal it. He did. I love it. No, it's very cute. We were we were talking off air about like props because that was a, one of my questions. If you got a chance to keep anything specific from the show, a prop or a costume, did any of you get to keep anything? I did. I got, um, well, I gave it away, but <laughs> I kept my corset, my hip pads, and my fake boobs and my fake butt. <laughs> and I gave it to Justin Prescott so he could dress up for drag. <laughs> <laughs> the hit pads i forgot about that oh there's one more thing that i stole and i did steal it and i don't have remorse um i stole my my indigo boots for the western number the white pearl ones ruby and i stole those because they were for my foot that had only been worn a handful of times and um i wore them in my wedding oh that's and cool ryan, yeah. ryan played <laughs> the music at and sang at my wedding ryan sang at my wedding, like while we were saying our vows and like, you know, in and at the intro and outro and he played guitar and sang. And so I got to have that little piece of Paramore with me on my wedding day, which was really special. That was and such still a beautiful ceremony. Thanks. It was because of you. <laughs> That's no, so it was sweet. the guys who sang that, that other song. That was, that was the thing. I did have some guys that sang like a funny song, but no, Ryan, yeah. it was baby. It was you. <laughs> it's your tears. I'm, I'm very practical. So I have like, there's like a thin brown belt that I never wore on stage because I was like, I'm wearing suspenders and I have a sweater vest that's covering this belt. And so I'm just going to keep it. And so I still wear that belt a lot. And I take a pair of shoes that I wore when we did Macy's Thanksgiving that didn't go into the show. I just, I kept. Other than that, just the memories. And I, I think a, a, a massage ball, like a... Like a lacrosse yeah. ball. I have one yeah. of those. I like think it's a fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It says Paramore on it. P-A-P-T uh, Paramore. And, uh, so, it's just ball. <laughs> I don't think I kept anything except 
my friendships, like the, the people I met, I, I don't think I have anything from Paramore. I just, I think I just kept a bunch of shoes. Oh, I definitely did get the shoes. They gave us the shoes. I definitely have. Oh, you know what I have? Philippe de Couflet. His zebra shirt? Forced me to, not forced me, forced them to get me a pair of mime shoes that I was supposed to wear. These like white suede bottom mime shoes that to be part of my costume there are like $400 French made something rather that I ended up never wearing I still have those uh, if you could have done any actual Cirque portion you know in the show one of the acrobatic stunts and you were obviously not everybody's allowed to do all of them but which one would you have loved to have tried the trampoline uh I think the sear wheel um yeah, and it's just coming back to me now because uh, the artist who did the sear wheel in our show, um, I watched do the sear wheel in like the first Cirque show I had gone to. It was Cirque El uh, their show ID. And they, I was like obsessed with this act um, when I saw it in like 2011 at uh, Penn State. And then... Uh, Fast forward five years later, and I'm on stage singing a song that was written for me while this guy is in the background doing the sear wheel. And it was just a, like a whoa kind of moment. That's awesome. I don't know. I, I think I would have done, what was it called? The teeter-totter? The Oh, yeah. Um, you would have done the teeter-totter. The teeter-board. Teeter-board. I would have totally done that. That looked like fun. As long as somebody <laughs> caught me, I'd be good. <laughs> well, let me give you five rapid fire questions before we end our, our conversation. So, um, and you guys can say in whatever order you'd like. So the first one is your favorite Paramore song. Ryan's song. Your, yeah, Rider's Block. Yeah. I, I liked that. I liked, I actually liked Hollywood, the um, Honeymoon Days of Fame. <gasps> yeah. I liked that song. Somebody actually on Instagram posted a video of that the other day, and uh, it was really weird to see it. I'm like, I'm thinking, wow, that was so strange. That, like we were creating these video snapshots on stage. It was so. It lo still looked very raw. The video that I saw, I'm like, wow, it still looks really like the costume looks cheap, and like, it just looked really raw <laughs> to me. Yeah. It was. That was the part that no, they didn't change. Like they, the new 2.0 kept that ver that exact thing how it was. Um, I'm between Serenade from a Window, uh, like Stardom Recognition. It was like, it, it was like the one song that kind of like really felt like that kind of old Hollywood movie. That and then uh, like my favorite number to do was uh, the film strip because. I got that, like, actually, like, we were dancing and we were, like, like doing handstands and stuff. And I felt like it, it was always, like, I was doing, like, a Cirque show. Like, I had just done a song. And then, like, I, like, like fall down a ladder and, like, enter this, like, film strip with all these, like, incredible dancers. And I feel like I'm part of something. And then at the end, I, like, got to just, like, like belt my face off. And, like, it was really, like, I don't know. It was exciting. It was, like, the most, like... <laughs> than on like a Broadway show stage. How about your favorite Paramore line? Oh God! <laughs> uh, what, was that? What, was the, what was the punchline when you we had that scene together, Brett? At the... 
something about <laughs> something about like <laughs> I, I, recognizing that you were gay. I forget what it was. Well, there was something where I had to grab the You're wall like, and say the line. And I can't remember the line. The line. <laughs> that whole scene, the the dressing room scene. <laughs> How am I going to live? It was like it was something like, "We're all gonna die," and then I had to freeze. I came in dressed dressed up, freaking <laughs> a mustache and stuff. Oh my uh, god! <laughs> and then, but before before that even happened. I, it was like or the reveal was me in a wig and like it was supposed to be like in a bra and underwear and it was it, it definitely hit the cutting room floor but we we used that wig for too many shows um so just that whole scene I think my favorite line was I was never cheap only because it was like you know the only one I remember Oh yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, girl. <laughs> I was never cheap. And someone, someone said that to me. Like someone, either from Paramore, I think it was like a meal, or somebody said, said it to me recently. And I was like, "What are you talking about?" And they're like, "Didn't wasn't that like one of your lines?" I had totally, <laughs> totally let that go. <laughs> <laughs> Something I said, like you know, for thousands of performances. Yeah, I, I may have, I may be something, but I was never cheap. How about your favorite Paramore movie set, like the Western set, Egypt, or the New York City Tops? Oh, rooftops, easy. I think the Egypt was so beautiful. I mean that that set, the look of the costumes and and the Atherton twins. I mean that was really beautiful. The, the whole front uh, facade proscenium with the. Yeah. That figure, I mean, I couldn't even believe. Oh, beautiful. yeah, that was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. That Art Deco. I still don't know who, who yeah. is responsible for that, but gosh, that was so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think I, I mean, I still think the best, like, effect was the film strips. I just think the way that that, they, they were just little boxes, but the way they would project the two sides and then, and it would come up. I mean, that was really, I think, pretty effective. What about your favorite Paramore character? Uh, Cooper. Yeah, the clown. Yeah. It was just like a role. I, Cooper came in like like a few weeks or like months into our creation process. Like we were like, who is this Cooper? Like who's going to come in? And then he came in and was just, he had a big box of toys that had like roller skates and lassos and like a balaclava and just like it was like a giant toy chest and he he just came and he played and eventually like it was like oh this will be a great uh part for cooper to come in and we're like and he's just nate's just like oh uh okay uh i guess i'll be a part of this story and like it was a complete like something that wasn't in the show wasn't even like in the script at all and then it became like this huge, like this thing that was kind of like circling everywhere, kind of like a Lear's clown or like, you know. And he never called out once. He's the only one. Oh, never. Yeah. He came, there was like one day where he like almost did. And I think Keats would have had to go on. But um, yeah, he 100% of the shows. I second that. Yeah, I liked that, the way he threaded himself into the story. It was really well. Well done. He also was. He didn't have any lines. He was mute. But yeah. like, 
kind of it kept, he kept the ball in the air, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. It kept energy in like places where like the story hadn't had it, and mm-hmm. yeah. Also, just like really fun, like really fun to do a scene with him because it just like as an actor, you're like, oh, he's just he's playing and he's like honest and he's trying new things, but he's not like he's not trying to like steal the stage away. He like complete is giving and it's like you wish more actors were just clowns and then finally your favorite paramore dub smash mine is uh i liked the les mis one uh i think when was it les mis was closing and then uh i just remember rafal as jean valjean um (laughs) (laughs) the one i'm the most proudest of still to this day was the harry potter one stop stop you're going to take someone's eye out. Besides, you're saying it wrong. It's Leviosa, not Leviosa. Expecto Patronum! Expelliarmus! It was like our last one, and I was very <laughs> proud of it. <laughs> I liked that Some one. Like It Hot. I felt like so, you guys were hilarious in that, and Some Like It Hot. Um, oh, I, yeah, something like a hot was good. My last wife was an acrobatic dancer. Oh. You know, sort of a contortionist. Mm. She could smoke a cigarette while holding it between her toes. Which of these instruments do you play? Oh, fiddle. Oh, fascinating. Do you use a bow or do you just pluck it? Most of the time, I slap it. You can't trust those guys. I can't trust myself. I have this thing about saxophone players, especially tennis sax. It's so sad to think that it's been like five years because I thought I thought the show would run longer. So obviously you guys ran for a year and for most people know that the Harry Potter play kind of took the place of where Paramore used to be. I wish it lasted a longer time and now it's seeing a new audience in Germany, which is really great. But if you guys could use one word to summarize the entire experience of Paramore, what word would that be? It's surreal. It was very surreal for me. Informative. I feel like it it helped me learn a lot of lessons that I needed to continue on with my Broadway career and as a human. And just like being a speck on the earth and just realizing that, you know, we're not the only ones. Broadway isn't everything. Like there's all these cultures and all these people from all over the world that are dealing with different things. And my little princess moment problem is not the, Mm -hmm. it it helped put things in perspective. It gave me perspective. Maybe that's my word. I want to say like the only word I can think of is like luxuriant. (laughs) Like it was full. It was just like a very full, like I made great money. I was, we were, creative it was you know there was chaos but it was like always full like there was always emotions and and joy to be had and it was I don't know it was like a really interesting so luxuriant I think is the word I would use I don't have one word but I have like probably the definition of a word that probably exists in German or like some like ancient language that means both grounding and elevating it was like an experience that like like put me like humbled me but and kept me on the ground but also 
showed like all the heights that people are able to achieve if they just reach for it and strive like towards doing something greater, but remaining humble in yourself. And yeah, and as fans, we loved it. I, I just, it was so much fun to kind of follow along on Instagram. So thank you for all those dub smashes. And, um, you know, it was, it was just a real joy. I wish it had got, gotten a longer run. I was hoping to come back right before you guys ended and I wasn't uh-huh. able to, but I, re- I really enjoyed it. And I think you guys put so much hard work and effort. And I was really sad that you guys didn't get nominated for Tony's. That was ridiculous because <laughs> I was really hoping, um, uh, but I just wanted to thank you guys so much for being on the show and for being able to do this reunion with me. This was so much fun. I cannot thank you guys enough. And I, I hope I get to see you again on the Broadway stage, all four of you, wherever you might be, because you you guys are so darn talented. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.